Hello and welcome to the Global City Mission podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today we're again with uh, professor and long-term spiritual director, Randy Harris. How are you doing, Randy? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So, Randy, today uh, I want to do another episode in a series for us called Things I Wish I Knew. And what prompted the series a couple of years ago, I was doing a training for a bunch of new missionaries. And one of the young missionaries in the training said to me, you know, if you were in our position, starting over again, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? And obviously, it's a little bit of a cheating question because right. the things I learned, I learned from experience right. and failure. Right. But whenever we get somebody with a lot of experience on, I like to ask, you know, what is it you wish that you knew starting out that you know now? Uh, I'd love if, first of all, just give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do, and then if you just jump into that. What, uh, so tell us okay. who you are, what do you do? Yeah, so I'm a, uh, a professor at Abilene Christian University, longtime academic. Uh, so 30 years primarily in the, in the academy. So that's kind of my context for, for thinking about the question. And all of that time within, uh, um, Christian institutions. So kind of, kind of Christian formation is part of the, the identity of the institutions for which I uh, work. In other words, I get to wear my faith on my sleeve with my sure. students. That's, that's sort of expected. Uh, so when I think about the question, okay, what, you know, what would you do differently if you had your career to do over again? I, there's two things that come immediately to mind. And I think that in the context I was in, I, I sort of adopted the view that what I can't do for everybody, I won't do for anybody. Hmm. And that was an enormous mistake. And so another way of putting it would be if I had to do over again, I would invest more in fewer. Yeah. And now at this point in my career, as it's coming to an end, I I tend to think about my classrooms as platforms for relationships. Right. And the question is, who's who's going to make themselves available? Who's going to walk in? Uh, to that uh, relationship and you say, okay, since I can't have that kind of relationship with all students, I won't have that kind of relationship with any students. It's was, it was just a mistake. Sure. Uh, what do you think, what do you think motivated that in you, that, that desire to, is it a sense of fairness? Yeah. Or it- I, part of it, part of it was certainly a sense of, of fairness and uh, as with a young person, Hubris is always involved, uh, where you think you can, you think you can take them all on. Uh, yeah. You you feel like you can, whatever words you want to use, disciple them all, yeah. mentor them all, and that's not true because you have a large segment of people who have no interest sure. in that. Yeah. Um, and you know you have to kind of see who makes themselves available, who's willing, sure. you know that sort of thing, and. Um, you know, I think this is pretty common in churches where, um, if, if you ask church leaders, okay, who, who, who are the people that you're investing and pouring into that too often they can't name those people. They're mm-hmm. investing and pouring into 
everybody, everybody yeah. uh, which means they which probably aren't pouring their best into yeah. anybody. Yeah. Right, right. And so I do, I do think uh, we all have ministry to the masses. Yeah. But again, Jesus, our model for everything. You know, you got the masses. You see the crowds. You, you go this, up on the mountainside, and your disciples come to you. Right. Yeah. Right. And then and then you have the smaller group of people around him that he fully invests in. So uh, I think I do that much in a much less guilty way than. Mm-hmm. Uh, than I used to, and yeah. um, um, you know, I, I uh, was was talking to a, a Christian leader. He didn't give me permission to tell the story, though he wouldn't care, so I won't mention his name. But um, he he had done a campus ministry for ten years at a really hard place, and he said what he had to show for it were five people. Hmm. I think about that ten years. Five people who are doing things in the kingdom of God, the wonderful things in the kingdom of God that they wouldn't be doing otherwise. Um, but okay. Yeah. 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 That's, there's your, there, there's your five, you yeah. know, who, who are willing to kind of walk into that, uh, with yeah. you. So that would be the first thing I would say that sure. I would like to have another, another swing at. I'd like to ask another question on that because I think that in a lot of ways it complements the strategy we're trying to pursue as a team at GCMI, and that I know is, is common in the missions world where, you know, you reach the few to reach the many. You're right. trying to invest and develop leaders right. that they can carry out a lot of the ministry on the ground right. and make disciples. And to me, there is a discernment issue there in terms of saying, okay, I can't invest in everybody, right. so how do I decide who to invest in? And one of the realities you immediately encounter is, on the one side, favoritism, the people right. that are easiest to invest in, the people that I enjoy spending the most time sure. with. Sure. The other side is need. There are people who I could give all of my time to, and because of whatever emotionally or socially is going on with them, it would never be enough. Right. It would never produce enough. Right. It would never form them enough. And it's just a chronically wounded and needy person who still needs to be served. Right. But as a minister who has a vocational responsibility and stewardship, maybe not the best right. uh, relationship to pursue full time. Mm-hmm. How do you make decisions in that space? Yeah. Uh, guess what? There's no matrix for that. <laughs> sure. sure, of course. So what, what, we're, what we're talking about is the classic Christian notion of discernment. Right. And uh, I, I do think that God leads us into certain people's lives. Now, if I, if I want to put some sort of, lay some sort of strategy on the discernment, it is, uh, at, at some point you need to be deeply invested in people who are going to be able to do that for other people. Right. And we are often very poor judges of that. You know, you can't, you can't take the discernment piece out of it and, and the, the sort of searching after God. Are you calling my heart together with this, if, with this person? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's just no, there's no avoiding those, those kind of things. Right. And so when, as people have asked me about that through years, how do you, how do you pick them? My answer is I can't really easily answer that question it happens in a whole variety of ways it appears to me i'm not totally in in control of are there things in yourself you can be attentive to that are indicators one way or another um i i think i i have come to trust 
that when my heart rises to meet their heart, that that's usually a sign that uh, this is somebody I, I I probably ought to spend time with, mm-hmm. and uh, and that happens, and I can explain it hardly any better than than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, um, it's it's not. Um, it's not eroticism, but it is uh, a spiritual drawing. Sure. There uh, is an attraction of a kind. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, um, and, and so that's, that's certainly, uh, that, that's certainly a part of it. Sure. Okay. So you can't invest in everyone. So you're going to have to use discernment to figure out the right people to invest in and you need to, come to grips with the fact that that is the ministry. I hear yeah. that. Yeah. And, I do, that. and I do want to just, mm-hmm. I just want to put a little pause here on the clumsiness of the language that we're using. Sure. You know, an invest. Okay. Now we're already using a, yeah, an exchange. Language, yes. Yeah. A meta- metaphor. As if there's know, a, a metaphor, right, what right. Is the, right, right, is right. Yield on investment. Uh, is yes. An inappropriate lens. It, totally. Yes. Yeah. But, but that's anyway, that's right. I, I let us into that. And that's where we are. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. Point taken. So yeah. that that's the first principle. You said it was the first one. Does, do I am I right to understand? There's a second thing you. Would yeah, do? yeah. I think that um, uh, uh, earlier in my ministry, like most young ministers, uh, I needed to control everything, and now uh, uh, presence is more important than control. Uh, to me, and again, I'm I'm not sure there's any way to get there other than having the experience that control ultimately doesn't doesn't work. Uh, but you know, I've, I've I've come to believe that ministers and missionaries are two categories. There's the people who are control freaks and know they are, and there's people who are control freaks who don't know they are. <laughs> and you know, once you know you are, yeah. you can do something. Yeah. You can kind of do something about it. Yeah. And you know, when I'm when I'm working with a student who's really struggling with faith or is leaving faith, um, I won't I won't say I never lose sleep over that, but I'm much more uh, comfortable now continuing to be present with them, trying to be a trustworthy and faithful witness, and then seeing how that sure how that comes out. And sure. it, you know that's that's a very different stance, and it's also a different stance for a church leader where you're not trying to you know, control uh, everything. Some people have used the really nice phrase, uh, you have to learn to hold it lightly. And that doesn't mean you don't, that doesn't mean you let it go. Sure. It just means you try not to squeeze it to death. You yeah. you, you hold it lightly so it can, so yeah. it can live. I'm curious about that because one of the things that we do talk about a lot, at least in our team, is that you, know, you can't, you can't let the successful outcomes of your effort be the source of your validation. Right. Right. That you can measure yourself by your effort. Right. By your presence and yeah. attention to people. But if, if your identity and calling is validated by the successful outcome of that effort, right. then the metric in which you're judging yourself is now something out of your control. Right. And, and your ministry becomes about your own self validation. Mm-hmm. Which, and uh, the, the analogy that I, that I use is baseball. You know, any 
Of course it is. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything really important can be said with baseball. If it cannot be said with baseball, it can't be said to be really important. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you're a baseball fan, you know that as a batter, you have remarkably little control of the outcomes. Hmm. You can hit a blistering line drive and it goes right at somebody and you right. make an out. And you can hit something off the end of the bat that, you know, rolls 30 feet and you'll get a hit. Right. Uh, what you can control is your preparation. Mm. And you can say, okay, I'm going to make every bat count. When the opportunity comes, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to have practiced. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, fully attentive there. Yeah. And get your swings. Yeah. And then see what. And then see what happens. Yeah. And I think, I think it's like that. I think we probably, uh, are too, uh, are, uh, take too much credit for the successes. We probably take on too much blame for the, yeah. for the failures. And there's just so much of that that's outside of our control. There are some things we can control. Yeah. We should take responsibility for that. Let me, let me ask this and risk hyperextending the metaphor. You can control your preparation, but you're judged by your batting average. Uh, oh, yeah, huge problem. So in terms of the ministry yeah. analog there, yeah. right. Right. you know, if you're a funded missionary, if you're a young minister looking to prove, you know, the security of your position or, or even mm. trust of more responsibility, mm. you know, our church is still going to judge you on your batting average. Mm. And it takes a pretty mature leadership to say, good swing. Right. You missed. Right. We're proud of your preparation. Right. So what do you do in that position as the minister? How do you prepare for that? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's an enormous problem. It, it, you know, if if that's the way you're keeping score, you know, there's enormous pressure to try to uh, be able to statistically show that you're doing um, a good job. But, uh, you know, there's just some places it's so much more difficult than it is in other places. Sure. And there's just different, there's just different soils. And, um, you know, that's not, a, that's not a missionary problem. That's a missionary sending problem. Mm-hmm. Where we got to do some serious education efforts here about what we're what we're doing, sure. and um, have to have some respect, enormous respect actually, for missionaries who are willing to go to places where they can get good swing after good swing after good swing, and they're not going to have a very high right. batting average. And there, there are just some places it's easier to get a it, but I, again, I experience that with young ministers all the time. They want to grow their churches. Right. And if their churches aren't growing, then everybody gets, you know, agitated. Uh, and that just reinforces or makes them focus on the wrong, the yeah. wrong things. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a system that, you know, kind of feeds itself. Yeah. And again, Dallas Willard was, uh, but with a bunch of ministers, and as as the story goes, they ask him, what's the most important spiritual discipline for ministers? And his response was to pray for all the churches around you. Right. Uh, and you think, oh, okay, that's sweet. Well, actually, it stings. Right. Uh, because he knows that we often see those as competitors. We're all after those right. those numbers. And, you know, being able to let that go. Right. Uh, is major spiritual uh, yes. growth. So, again, let me see if I can stretch this metaphor a little further. So if if we need to evaluate ourselves by our preparation, not our batting average, 
but you know, we do need to evaluate at some point the outcome, even if it's not something we control. Right. How do you live in that world and still make baseball fun? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, um, I assume you get the question in reference to ministry. Well, yeah, I think it's complicated. And you'd be surprised how often I, I get a call from church leaders who are honestly and seriously saying, we're trying to evaluate our staff. Right. And we don't know how to do it. Right. You know, if you don't do it by counting, um, you know, bucks and, and butts. Right. Then how do you right. do it? And I think we do need to have serious discussions about what we should be measuring. Right. And and how we measure it. I can't quite bear that burden on a podcast. No, no, no. But I, I'm but interested in it, though, in the you have a touch with ministers and their preparation before it's a full-time vocation for them. Mm-hmm. What do you know now that you didn't always know about how to, how to instill a germ or a seed in them to help facilitate that yeah. conversation they can have? Yeah. Um, I, I think that I have come to understand that, particularly for young ministers, ministry is a lot harder than I thought it was mm. when I first started teaching ministers. They have all the stresses that young, often young family people do anyway. Their marriages, their their children, and, and then their churches. And now, think about this. If, uh, if a, typical, a typical person gets fired, they lose their job. Right. A preacher gets fired, he loses his job, he loses his social community group, he, he loses pretty much Everything he's got to pick up and sure. and and move, and he also loses his his self esteem, and so I I think that just creates you know enormous pressure. And then I would I would want to go back to a different kind of conversation and say, okay, we've got to have a contemplative life that's deep enough that will protect us from some of the pathology. Of keeping scores that ha- keeping score in a way that may have little to do with the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a really good word. Thanks, Randy. Yep, my pleasure. Thanks for joining us today again, uh, and thank you for joining us today on the Global City Mission podcast. You can learn more about GCMI at our website at globalcitymission.org, or you can check us out on our Facebook and Twitter.